0: Welcome to this week's Red Voices, just the one game to cover this week, United's one all-draw with Liverpool at Old Trafford, which, as the old cliche goes, really could have gone either bloody way. Lots to talk about with the boy Richard Can tonight, how's it going mate?
1: I'm not too bad, thank you, and I've just come to terms with Paul Pogba's mortality.
0: Yes, yes, that that was certainly a surprising aspect of the match this evening, wasn't it?
1: <laughs> it was, it was, it was, a, um, it, it was a frustrating game, I'd say, ultimately tinged with relief, but but frustrating all the same.
0: Now, for sure, certainly an interesting day for me. I had uh, my the birthday party for my uh, soon to be five year old. She's five tomorrow, so that was covering most of my thinking up until about ooh, three o'clock or so this afternoon. And then suddenly, when I got home, saw the lineup and was sat down with the iPad ready to go. Then uh, tended to uh, phase everything out from there. Uh, it, it's this game every single time, which it, it it gets to you. This fixture, you know. I know that. Initially, last week, when we were previewing the game, we were sort of talking about it in slightly negative terms, which is maybe not, well, maybe not negative, but certainly not overly positive, which is interesting given the fact that, you know, we're on the back of this magnificent streak unbeaten and then nine wins in a row. But, uh, you know, not that I want to say I told you so, but I think we're right to approach you with a little bit of trepidation based on how that went.
1: Yeah, I think what we were saying last week was that uh, certainly for me, United Liverpool is never a game I enjoy until we've won it. Unless we're a couple of goals clear, at least at any point, it's just it's just that big that it, it's hard to it's hard to really just sit back and divorce yourself from the rivalry.
0: It's a fixture to be endured rather than enjoyed most of the time, isn't it?
1: It is really, you know, if if you've won, it's the best, you know, one of the best feelings in the world as a football fan. But if you if you lose, it's one of the worst. And this particular fixture was especially important and tense because we're at a point in the season where we've, we've clawed back a huge amount of points against the top five above us. And if we'd have beaten Liverpool today, it really would have pulled us right into the, certainly the two to five position. I think if we'd won by three goals, would have gone a level on goal difference with City. Um,
0: <laughs> well, yeah. After their afternoon, that would have been amazing.
1: Well, exactly. I mean, given given the tonking that City had, it was, another, it was a real opportunity to take points off both them and Liverpool. And I think considering where we were at the start of the season, when we went to Anfield, really very much as underdogs. We went into this game today I'd have said if you looked at the two teams on paper as favorites to win the game particularly on form. So, you know, there was a double dynamic of the significance of the fixture between the two clubs and the added importance of the game to to the course of the season from from here on in.
0: <laughs> that first half was an odd one to place, wasn't it? It's not like United were terrible. But I think partially because of the build-up and partially because of the magnitude of the occasion, as you mentioned, because we'd done so well to claw ourselves back into a position where you know you could say that we had a very, very good chance of being in the top four band of the season. It felt like it was a massive opportunity. And whether or not that played its part in the performance, especially, you know, I mean, it wasn't necessarily just in the first half. It was the entire game. You know, I, I, I would really... I wouldn't go anywhere near saying that United were terrible or horrible today. There were just too many aspects of the game that didn't quite work. You know, most of our big players didn't necessarily step up. It was more the supporting cast, like Sir and Herrera, who really shone today, and particular, that first half. It's it's just down to this this issue that we've had all season long, isn't it? It's finishing, and it's a couple of lapses in concentration that cost us and put us behind. You know, think back to uh, Pogba going through from Mkhitaryan's pass and then just putting that shot wide of Minouli. And a couple of minutes later, he's handballing, uh, having really, really struggled to get anywhere near Dejan Lovren in any single corner. As Sky Sports were only too happy to repeat several times. And then, mm. you know, that, that handball that you really couldn't have a single complaint about.
1: It, it, it's absolutely baffling as to what exactly what he's trying to do, wasn't it? It, it? it just kind of summed up his game, really. Pogba's been absolutely enormous.
0: Yeah, I think it's wise that we actually preface any criticism of Pogba with the fact that he has been immense for us over the last couple of months, because he really has.
1: I think the point the point is that he, you know, he's been amazing, and he was always going to have an off game, but but boy, did he have an off game when he, when he had it? You know, he was absolutely appalling, and obviously we forgive him for that for because he's been so brilliant, but God, he was bad. And you know, we really needed him to to boss the midfield against this Liverpool team to to really dominate the game. We didn't ever have a grip on it, and it's we've played two teams now who've who've played a very very intense pressing game and put a lot of a lot of yards into their into their pressing very high up the pitch and that's City and Liverpool at at Old Trafford and we've we've struggled to keep the ball and get any rhythm against those teams and even though Liverpool were without several of their best players, the the setup was still the same. It was you know, you still had that intense pressing and high energy and we, we just struggled to cope with it all the way through really. You know, we had there were patches of the game where we looked like we could we could do something, we could score. As you say the, couple of chances in the first half particularly the, the popular one I think Martial was put through as well but we just never got we never got going and and I think the the penalty kind of knocked the stuffing out of us a bit uh, you know it's poor it was poor timing as well you know just two thirds of the way through the first half and it, it, it really seemed to give us the jitters from there and it, it took us a long time to to really adjust to that yeah for sure
0: I mean you know there is uh, one thing that can be said just prior to that penalty and that was the fact that Firmino dispossessed Phil Jones right on the edge of the area and Rojo did well just to get the ball clear to go out for the subsequent corner you know, arguably if that situation was handled then there's a certain, you're not even thinking about a penalty, I still think that Liverpool had several chances to have perhaps put more pressure on us and especially after Coutinho and things took on a, you know, a of different context and Liverpool started to come into the game a bit more as an attacking force which wasn't something they'd done a lot in that first half but yeah, other than that, I thought you know Jones and Rocco were all right, if not absolutely remarkable. I think you know, obviously, it helped that most of the ball was in the other half of the pitch, so they didn't necessarily need to have a fantastic game. And as we mentioned, Liverpool weren't necessarily that great anyway, which is why it's so frustrating that we didn't win.
1: Yeah, and that's the frustration that neither team played very well, did they? Liverpool weren't great, but we we didn't really we weren't able to take advantage of that.
0: Again, it's one of those situations where. It all comes down to the chances that we created and that we didn't finish off, you know. And there is, you know, you've got to chuck some credit to Minouane as well. You know, that was that very decent save from uh, Ibrahimovic's low free kick in the first half, which he did well to get down to because that was powering its way through for sure. Um, another couple of instances where United just didn't quite have their shooting boots on. You know, got just a couple of loose passes in front of goal and. No, we just didn't look quite on it when we were going forward frequently enough. It was a bit disjointed, and that was frustrating to watch. And the thing is, the difference in this game in particular from what we've seen over the last couple of months is that Liverpool are never going to allow us to create as many chances as we've enjoyed for most of this winning run. So that then places extra emphasis on us finishing chances that we create. And for the most part, we didn't do that, and we got a scrappy goal towards the end. All right, it was fairly well worked, but, you know, <laughs> the way it came about, I mean, I, I honestly, whenever Vimic got that, header just towards the end in front of the Stretford end I gotta admit I didn't see us getting that goal
1: no we, we'd had a few chances hadn't we but we hadn't actually created anything clear cut we talked talked in recent weeks about Jose Mourinho changing games with substitution and obviously he made three today brought on Rooney which really didn't work although oh. you know I can see why he made the change because Carrick was was struggling and the shape we were playing in wasn't really working and you know Mata came on and was a reasonably creative but but again it, I think it was Fellaini that changed the game. Yeah. What I would take the and,
0: suggestion that the best substitution out of Rooney, Matter and Fellaini the most effective one of the three was Fellaini.
1: Yeah, but but he was played in the position he played at Everton. True, true. You know, if you if you play him as an advanced midfielder who's who's there to win things in the air and to bring the ball down and get other players into play, then that's his forte and United have a tradition which means that we couldn't play him in that position long term as an as an ongoing tactic. But at, at the end of games it's not a bad option. And Liverpool just didn't cope with that. And there's an interesting um quote from from Klopp today who who, who basically said that when the two teams are playing football, Liverpool were the better team, but then we brought on Fellaini and there wasn't any more football. Which is a big dirty sour grapes moment. But Liverpool did not cope with him. And obviously it was his I think it was his header that that hit the post it was indeed yeah you know, got there before Mignolet and then the ball the ball fell out and if, if you watch um, Ibrahimovic's header again you know in slow-mo from a few angles you can see just what an amazing finish that was because he had so little of the goal to aim at he had absolutely no pace on the ball to do anything with that and you know somehow he just managed to get enough behind it and angle it so that Minilay couldn't quite reach it you know yeah. it was a real world-class finish and he didn't have a good game at all he you know, he was quite anonymous for most of it, but that's what you have, and that's perhaps what we missed last season. If you have a player of that quality, they can be com- completely uninvolved in the game, but then finish, a, you know, a chance that the other players perhaps wouldn't be able to finish. And, you know, we, we've kind of missed that. And, and as you say, we couldn't really see a scoring, but we did it, we kind of scored the dirty way, but they all count.
0: Oh, exactly. I mean, nail on the head as far as I'm is is concerned for me. You know, I think because our build at play was so disjointed and because we were struggling for fluency that meant that he often was dropping deeper and that didn't necessarily help anyone you know this is pretty classic behavior in this situation so you know maybe it's it's not worth criticizing too heavily but it did mean that we were missing an outlet at times and frequently meant he was having to leave his position to come out and help out and win the ball and it just meant we didn't really have much shape, especially in that first half, and on the rare occasions that we did threaten, you know, where there was a point where Herrera sent Mkhitaryan through and then Many did well to save after he'd pulled it a little bit to the left. You know, there weren't many too there weren't too many chances where we genuinely cut Liverpool up and, you know, a lot here's an interesting one. There's been a lot of talk about Darmian playing on that left hand side of Martial. What do you think he offers or doesn't offer when he's playing with someone like Martial, who's obviously all about pace and will need a bit of help on that left hand side.
1: I see why Mourinho plays him. I think he thinks he's more defensively sound than Blind or Shaw. We don't really know what the situation is with Shaw at the moment. Whether he's still injured or he's just completely out of favour. You know, Shaw really struggled defensively at the start of the season, and you know he's having he's having to overcome an absolutely appalling injury. Mourinho's options are a bit limited, and none of us really like Darmin at left back, but he does tend to be fairly compact and does the basics. But obviously, what we lose. Is what we have on the other side with Valencia, which is a, a fullback who can overlap and cross and you know do do things in a creative sense. So wonder
0: if we could clone Valencia, but on the left hand. side. I know he's
1: he's absolute. He's an absolute monster at the moment, isn't he's he? A beast. Um, he's just he, you know his his energy he's just he never runs out of out, of, out of juice, does he? But the prob the problem you then have is that if Martial's not having a great game, which which he didn't really today, we just lose all width on the on the left hand side. Marshall wasn't held because the Liverpool had the the young kid at right back, and every time the ball went in his zone of that of the defensive area, two or three Liverpool players came over to double and treble up on on, on him to protect him, and so Marshall found himself.
0: Um... Well, he was up against four players at one point, wasn't he? He
1: was. They, they, you know, they, it was it was very clever. You know, they, they had this kid who, just by virtue of inexperience, and you know, he clearly isn't going to be at the level of Nathaniel Klein at the moment. So they did what they needed to do to protect him, and it and it worked worked perfectly. And Martial just ended up getting incredibly frustrated. Sure. But we do we do lose so much on that left hand side in terms of in terms of width, and it means that you have to concentrate everything down the right, which means that you become slightly predictable in that in that sense. Sure. Um, and also limited in, in terms of where where danger going to come from.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I think that first half in particular. The threat essentially was just coming from either through the centre or on the right-hand side. You know, we struggled to get anything going on the left. I don't think that. I don't think it's just down to Damien not being our best option at left back. I think there's a couple of bits and bobs that come into it. You know, I don't think Marshall had an absolutely fantastic game, but again, you know, initially in the offing, I thought he was looking like a decent threat. But as many other things in that game uh, didn't necessarily pan out the way we would have hoped, and that first half ended up as something of a, a bit of a damp squib. Felt a little subdued. It didn't really feel like anything was coming off in particular. And, you know, half time change made. Alright, you mentioned that Carrick was struggling a little bit, you know, he missed uh, Tuesday's actually no no he did. Yeah, he missed Tuesday's game through injury. Came back into the side for what we would consider to be, you know, close to our strongest lineup in terms of what Mourinho likes back in that four three three. Didn't really pan out and really came on at number ten. But I just find myself so frustrated with that substitution as a concept because you're just thinking right Ibrahimovic and Rooney through the middle you haven't necessarily got an incredible amount of pace there and you're essentially asking for most things to be funneled through Rooney to a certain extent in order to get anything to happen if you're going to play him there leave him there at least for a little bit what is the point of bringing him on for a half of football if you're then just going to shove him out to the left once you don't see that's working there must be a better option for us than bringing on Rooney for 45 minutes, playing him as the number ten, and then abandoning it when it doesn't work.
1: I think. I think the problem we have is that Mourinho still doesn't have the squad he'd like in terms of being able to change the shape of the team within the game. We 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 haven't got a huge number of options. Juan, and I can see that. Juan, well, yeah, <coughs> because, but I I can see. I'll cough that, again, <laughs> Juan. <coughs> <laughs> him. Um, I can see. I can see the logic as well, given how. Driven, Rooney would be to score, and how how much the the game itself against Liverpool means to him. And, and in fairness, he did have a really good chance. I think he he had the shot that was that was saved by Minoule, but he it, as you say, it just didn't quite work out. And, it, it, and Mourinho sort of spent the second half trying different things to see to try and find a way through. And ultimately, ultimately, it came down to Fellaini um, at the end, but. I understand why he made the change. We needed to change shape. But as you say, I, I probably would have gone for Matter over Rooney at that point.
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, that, that, that that's always the dream in my eyes. I mean, I understand why Matter didn't start. You know, I think you want Pacey the side of Ibrahimovic in order to make that 4-3-3 properly tick. And that's absolutely fine. If you're going to start with that, that works. I think the only difference today was that Matter didn't normally have that sort of combining effect with the attack in the field that he normally does when he's brought into the side later on in the game, you know, especially if you think about the game against West Ham. He and Rashford have really helped to link everything together. You know, we looked at a much more competent threat going forward when they were both on the pitch. You know, and up sorry, Rashford easily could have been another player that could have come onto the game and maybe influenced it in yeah. a positive manner. But and again, you know, you've got to give it to Fellaini to have the presence of mind to make that chance you know hit the post and that's twice in a week now he's come off the bench on a positive effect he remains you know a confining presence in the hearts of many united fans but he's really helped in this last week or so in two you know fairly big games for us you know let's not be about the bush you know the, the efl cup semi-final is big for us because we haven't had many of these situations over the last several years and not only that when we have had them You know uh, the the Sunderland semi final under Moyes any bells. We haven't necessarily dealt with them particularly well, so yes, seeing us get through that game uh, was great, and seeing him come onto the pitch and have a positive influence on the game, playing as you mentioned in the position that he's you know arguably best at, you know, as a disruptive presence, and you know, pissing Jurgen Klopp off, which is also good. Very, very positive.
1: I don't, I don't see anybody really. People don't object to Fellaini being used in that in that sense because. You know he did that at Everton very, very successfully. It's it's Fellaini playing in a in a midfield, uh, you know, a traditional midfield role or a holding midfield role, and it just doesn't it doesn't work, and it it slows us down. And it completely destroys the rhythm of the team. And but I think people have become frustrated at watching him play in that position. And of course it's not his fault. He plays where he's told, but he just isn't good enough to to play that role. But if Mourinho intends to use him as a kind of uh, Super sub in in, in similar role to that he used at Everton. I don't think too many people object in certain games. It's just a case of whether whether he's willing to sit around and uh, you know just essentially be a an impact sub and playing playing a few cup games against pretty poor lower league teams. But I don't think anybody objected him to coming on in those circumstances, and I think he did really well.
0: No, no, I completely agree. I mean, going back to where we started the pod, it is difficult to kind of get over the frustration of the result because Liverpool just weren't that great. You know, there is a feeling that we have let them off the hook in the context of the result, but not necessarily in the context of the game just because we really, really struggled to tie our play together. You know, there was, again, a fair amount of possession in that second half and we did have a couple of moments where we were really penning them back, you know, a good section of about five to ten minutes at the start of the second half. But it it was all disjointed, wasn't it? And it, and to see that happen in a game of such import was frustrating. But I guess then you have to combat that with the other side of it, which is what we were talking about on last week's episode, which was saying even if we didn't get the win, even if we got a draw, or even you know, so if we lost, heaven forbid, that wouldn't necessarily have been it for uh, us going up to the top four, purely because there's still so many games left to play, and a lot of uh, the teams above us are going to be playing each other the next couple of weeks. And as you also mentioned, we've got a relatively straightforward run coming up. So whilst, you know, you do have to take on board the frustration about not having really done enough today in order to deserve a victory or not really turning up when it matters and a couple of individual performances that, you know, frankly stunk up the place. It's not all doom and gloom, you know, City losing 4-0. City losing 4-0, I'll say it again, good grief. I refused to make a joke out of it before before the game this afternoon because I just didn't want to tempt fate. But my... God, what a result that is!
1: They did take a terrible thumping, didn't they? What I was going to say about 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 the result today is, I don't think we can really assess it until we see what comes next. Because if United go to Stoke next week and win, and you know, win the next two or three league games, then then that that's just a hiccup. It's just a hiccup, and it's it's just a couple of drop points that were frustrating. But nobody no team wins every week. If we go to Stoke next week and lose, then that becomes the start of a drop in form which is which is more concerning mm. in, in terms of the top four we're still still on the coattails and you know if we kept winning games as you said a lot of the other teams are playing each other and we don't have city until the end of february i don't think so you know we if, we if we just concentrate on our own form and win more games then we will we will make up some ground on the teams above us but the problem we have is that when those teams apart from city who really seem to be struggling at the moment very badly arsenal spurs Chelsea particularly just seem to keep winning, and you know Spurs are in incredible form, and I think it puts our our win over them in much better light because it's their only you know their only loss in in some time, and they're absolutely mullering team at the moment. Mm-hmm. So that was a really impressive impressive result, but we only have to not win a couple of games, and they they've taken five or six points out of us, which are very hard to get back. So so the context of the game today can really only or the assessment of the game can, today can only really be made in two or three weeks time when we know what's come after it
0: for sure i mean thinking about next weekend we are playing stoke at three o'clock at the Britannia. you know a game that we should win but again we didn't win it pretty early on in the season so let's not take anything for granted because that doesn't necessarily get us anywhere good i find uh and then city are playing spurs at the, uh, the 5 30 kickoff uh on saturday so we could find ourselves above city depending on how well, things pan out for us, which will be very interesting to see how they deal with that. Because as you mentioned, your Spurs are flying at the moment. They were excellent yesterday against West Brom. You know, they are confident, they are scoring goals, and they look a proper unit at the moment. Pochettino has gotten purring, so it'll be very interesting to see how uh, City deal with Spurs. Because, yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily that I'm desperate just to take the Mick out of it. I just find it fascinating that Guardiola is having this much trouble with the Premier League. And, you know, I'm not trying to toot my own trumpet or anything like that or suggest that I know more than anyone else because I really don't. But I did, I really did wonder how it was going to be with Guardiola in the Premier League because, as we mentioned before, Bayern and Barca were set up to succeed in a way that City just aren't. And there's obviously a lot more competition in the Premier League than there is in the Bundesliga and La Liga in terms of the top teams. So it was always going to be interesting to see how they would cope with it. You know a pretty solid start, but a result like this you know coupled with a couple of other indifferent performances here and there, it really looks like city and Guardiola are struggling. It's fascinating
1: I made the um the comparison today between Guardiola and l v g in that you know guardiola both both fiddled around, tried different formations, but essentially those formations were just built around the infamous philosophy you know which involved. Short passing, slow, slow possession, and when things weren't working... just in case we forgot.
0: LVG. Thanks, Rich. Yeah, I appreciate that.
1: Well, it's, I don't know, but when things weren't working, LVG was just incapable or unwilling to try anything else. Mm. And it seems to me that Guardiola's stuck in the same rut. He's he's trying to get this this team to play in a certain way, which it's pretty clear, certainly defensively, they can't do. But he's not willing to to compromise on on his ideals in the short to medium term, to get results at the, at the moment. He, he's just banging away, banging his head up against the same wall. And they've got enough quality that they'll win games, but they'll also have games like today, regularly, where they just can't defend. And, you know, he's made some poor signings. John Stones has been... It's almost been the case that we're not allowed to criticise John Stones because he's this great English talent, supposedly, and he clearly is a really technically gifted defender but he's a technically gifted defender who can't defend at the moment and and you know the keeper's just the keeper's just a, a joke and Guardiola's just stuck in the LVG rut of not being able to not being able to get results the way he wants but being absolutely Steadfast yeah. in his belief that he will not change for
0: anybody. Well, he's married to his concepts, isn't he? This has been something that he has is, been exactly. the case since you know he's been in charge of Bayern and Barca. When things went wrong, what was the plan B? And there wasn't one. You know, it's just that that worked well enough ninety percent of the time for a plan B not to be needed. You're completely correct. You know, it's something that we saw time and time again from Van Halen. It's like history is repeating itself with Guardiola. So, and yeah, because there's much more competition in the Premier League than any of the leagues that he's played in before, it really exacerbates the situation when things do not go well as frequently as they are at the moment. But here we go. I mean, a we'll have a quick chat about the other teams as well. You know, think about Chelsea, who <laughs> talk of Costa receiving a megabucks deal from China, which is not a surprise whatsoever, but being dropped subsequently for a training ground bust-up with Antonio Conte. Still managed to get a win past the lowly reigning premier league champions and you know what's happening with those guys is remarkable you know in terms of how quickly they've fallen away you know and obviously uh as paul gunning pointed out our buddy paul pointed out on twitter yesterday or when he was watching match of the day the way the fans have merely accepted it because of how good things were last season kind of indicates the difference between you know the mentality of a top club and one that had a little bit of success but really doesn't want to ask for anything more and i get that to a certain extent but it is surprising just how quickly Leicester had just sort of switched off.
1: Do you not think there's a case though of because their achievement last season was so incredible that there's just a, there's a natural lull after that. They've done something After the Lord Mayor's show. Yeah, there is, exactly. They've done something nobody ever thought they could possibly do. They didn't think they could do it until, you know, until it was nearly nearly happening. You know, it was always likely that they were never going to be able to repeat that ever again. So there's just a, there's a natural drop off, I think, where they've just eased up 10 or 15% and, and accepted that it's never going to be that good again. And that's really where... And obviously they've lost Kante, who who was an absolutely integral player for them. But you've seen you've seen Mahrez drop in form, you've seen Vardy drop in form. All the key players from last season have dropped off. And they had the Champions League, which was obviously a, a distraction as well. They clearly focused on the Champions League over the league for a while. And I think they just got stuck in a rut. But you saw from Chelsea yesterday they were without Costa and if you go player for player through Chelsea they've got some fine players but you wouldn't say that that team or that squad is significantly better than several others in the Premier League but they are just an incredible team and they just they just seem to kind of ease past teams that you know they're so just defensively solid and they're just a machine to 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 lose Costa and still to go to Leicester and win three 0 I thought was particularly after they'd lost the Spurs was very impressive. Yeah, for sure. I'm kinda of torn between I'm torn between wanting them to lose so that potentially we can reel them in, but also being slightly afraid of what might happen if we aren't able to reel them in but somebody else wearing red or light blue does.
0: Yeah. Um, so I mean certainly the lesser of three evils there in terms of uh, <laughs> the title challenges. I mean to be fair, if you're gonna give it to any of the teams that are above us, I'll give it to Spurs just because, you know, why the hell not? I mean I can think of uh, several sets of fans in the other teams above us who will be absolutely unbearable for some time should anything happen on that level. of uh, uh, The last team uh, of the teams that are currently above us, so if we're going to look at the teams that could potentially drop out and give us a chance to get top four, is Arsenal. Now, they uh, <laughs> recorded a rather emphatic 4-0 victory at the Liberty on uh, Saturday afternoon. So, yeah, again, just such a, um, an anomaly our Arsenal Football Club, and I'm still not necessarily sure which side you're going to see week to week, because... You know, you would assume it's not necessarily unfair, despite Swansea's rather terrible season, to assume that Paul Clement might have them. You know, necessarily solid enough that they could cause Arsenal a few problems, but they just completely breeze through that game.
1: I think Swansea's problem is they're just terrible at football. They just You know that Fair that enough. is ultimately it. They, they've sold some really good players and not replaced them with good enough players, and they're just getting walloped because they're bad. I so I mean I wouldn't read too much into Arsenal's win yesterday. In the Arsenal are generally pretty good at what you know, whumping lower teams, you know, really, terrible, lower team, really terrible lower teams, really terrible lower teams. I always think with Arsenal it seems to be that they they play with a lot of freedom when it doesn't matter too much, but when when it really does, they knock off and they have really weird spells. I mean this, the first half against Bournemouth was just really bizarre. They just they just weren't there, and the first, also the first half against Preston as well. Mm. It, it was as if they just I don't know they just I just they just thought they could breeze through it, and then they they you know they concede a goal and suddenly they they just completely lose control of games. So on the one hand you've got you've got to praise them for coming back in the game like that and and responding, but how do they get in those situations in the first place? And you just feel that in terms of winning the title, they don't have the the mental strength and the, I don't know, just the courage to actually go on and, go on and win the title. You, you're seeing kind of a change in attitude of Alexis Sanchez. You can see he's an absolute machine into, as a footballer and they've got the contract situation. He must be thinking, I, I don't think I can win the league here. And I potentially this is my last huge contract. Do I want to stay in this place where we don't, we just don't quite win the, the league every season? And I think that's where they are. I, I think they'll probably finish sort of, Third or fourth, and just as just as they generally do.
0: I mean, who do you think we have got the best chance of overthrowing in order to get up to the top four at this stage, based on what we know so far of the teams that uh, have won for the first six months of the season?
1: City, obviously, and I, I think one of Liverpool or Arsenal. Maybe maybe Arsenal. Um, when the Champions League starts again, I think that's that's a distraction to them. Obviously, we've got the Europa League ourselves, but Liverpool just have that huge advantage of not having. Any midweek games, European midweek games, they'll get Mane back from the African nations, and they'll get a few players fit again. And they're a very, very strong team when they've got everybody there. So I'd probably say City and Arsenal, maybe.
0: Imagine, imagine. What about you? That'd be absolutely wonderful. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think not having uh, any European commitments is certainly helping Liverpool and Chelsea. You know. And- Spurs coming into the Europa League could also be something of an issue so it depends how seriously Pochettino wants to take it because you know they came close to doing something pretty special last season and stumbled over the last couple of weeks of the season so it'll be interesting to see what he does with the European competition My like, hunches, they'll probably just fob it off but I don't see United taking that approach, I think they'll be determined to make sure that they earn a Champions League spot whichever way it comes so whether that's finishing the top four yeah. or winning the Europa League I think with based on the last three years of Manchester United Football Club, I think Mourinho simply has to go for it on all fronts and just hope for the best. So I think that's certainly working against us, especially with the squad size. You know, Speaking of which, one thing we didn't mention last week in terms of squad size, Morgan Schneiderlin are completing his move yeah. to Everton. Now then, we've actually done quite well for once. Something we haven't said for a while. So actually, get a decent deal for a player that we sell. What was it? Somewhere on the line of uh, twenty-two million pounds or so. They certainly only paid twenty-five yeah, 20, for him eighteen months, months ago. That's a damn good deal.
1: Yeah, it is. Usually, when United are selling players, they're selling players who haven't quite come up to scratch. They damage. They damage goods, and but they damage goods on very very high wages, and because they're not quite top level players, the the clubs they that might sign them don't have the funds to pay the, those wages and and a, a, a huge transfer fee so we get situations where we're selling Javier Hernandez relatively relatively cheaply or or, or Nani or whoever and the thing with Morgan Schleidlin is that it really I don't think he's I don't think his cachet has been damaged too much by being United I think there just seems to be a general belief that he hasn't just quite worked out but that he's still a very good player and he had a club interested in, in in Everton who have a lot of new money and weren't really able to spend it in the summer and so are able to to match his wages and pay us a good fee. So it was a really good destination for us. A lot of people are sort of saying, oh, Schneidlin didn't really get a chance or we didn't see the best of him. Maybe we didn't see the best of him, but he did have a chance and he just never really looked like he, he'd made the step up from Southampton to United. He never quite convinced. He never really had a game where you think, yeah, you know that's a a real top class player. Yeah, and I think that was his. I think that was his problem. And 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 Mourinho gave him a couple of games at the start of the season. They were very they're very similar in that respect. He just didn't really stand out too much, and he was one of the fringe players for whom we could get good fee. And so it made sense that that he should move on. Now now leaving, Daily Blint as the by far the best looking footballer at United. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think you're about right there. I mean, he is—he is charming and handsome on another level that most of our players simply cannot match.
1: Beside, he's very popular amongst the women in this household.
0: Oh, I see. That's where it's coming from. Of course, yes. Now, a great fee for a player that we simply weren't doing anything with. You know, Mourinho clearly didn't fancy him or think he could do a job in this side. And you know, once that's happened, you know, if you didn't you? Could, to not even get a Premier League start for the entirety of this season so far tells its own story, you know, he clearly didn't have any idea of what he could do with Schneiderlin, so once that became clear, it was just about getting the best fee possible, that's what United have done you know, I'm sure he'll do a final job at Everton and I'm sure that Cohen will be very happy to be reunited with him, and I'm sure he'll be fine at Goodison I don't necessarily think he's going to prove wrong in turn. it's an absolute world beater but he'll go on and have a, a solid enough career, and for him personally, I'm sure that's absolutely fine, for us, I do think that whilst it would have been interesting to see how we've given him a bit more of an option this season so far, to see what perhaps we could have got out of him, maybe things could have been tweaked here and there I do think that we need to be aiming higher, you know, we're looking at now this coming summer as a really pivotal one once again, you know, you think if Luke Shaw doesn't necessarily prove through any point for the rest of the season now that he can really take on that, right, that left-back role you're thinking United probably need to dip into the market for the left-back maybe up front and certainly in a similar role to Carrick so yeah there's another huge amount of change coming on there and you know it's a shame that Schneiderlin couldn't really make himself uh, a, a part of this squad let alone a part of the first team because you know he's behind bloody Bastian Schweinsteiger in the in the the makeup for this squad which is ridiculous whichever way you think about it considering that Schweinsteiger was trading by himself like the first 3 months of this season that's how Mourinho just didn't really think about him whatsoever. But there we go, you know, that, that that's uh that's a player that I'm, I'm somewhat disappointed to see go, but if I said I was sad that really would be pushing it. But yeah, no other real transfers to talk about at the minute, nothing confirmed anyway apart from maybe Uncle Pat going off to Palace, which would be an interesting one. So let's uh yeah, I mean I guess he could do a job there, couldn't he?
1: He could do a job. I'd I'd love to see Everett back in the Premier League. I mean, let's be honest; he is the funniest footballer in the world. I love this guy. Um and he's just he's just an absolutely top human being, isn't he? So, um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be great to see great to see him back. I was just going to say on that on that transfer point, we were talking about. Obviously, we've got a, a really good fee for, for Schneidlin. We, we're clearly trying to offload Depay as well, and it looks like we're we're looking at uh, actually selling him outright. But he has that problem in that he's he's taken the step up from the Erie Divisie to the Premier League and hasn't been able to make that step. And the difference is that Schneidlin has Schneidling has performed at a high level in the Premier League before and, and Depay, Depay hasn't performed at that level. And so we've got now clubs looking at him thinking, can we justify 80, whatever, 80 90, 100 grand a week wages and a big transfer fee on this kid when he's already failed at, at a high level? Mm. And so, you know, he's very, very different. We're at a point where we kind of stuck with him at the moment and, and he's stuck because he's not playing. And, you know, as Mourinho said, he's not going to play. He hasn't played for a couple of months because he told Mourinho he wanted to leave and he's not going to not going to play him. So we're, he's kind of in limbo at the moment, which is which is no good for us, no good for him.
0: Yeah, well, let's hope there's a resolution for him at some point this month because, you know, it, was, it seems increasingly clear that there is just there's too much competition ahead of him. You know, you've got Martial, Rashford, Mkhitaryan, and Lingard, all who can play on the left and the right to a certain extent, and they are arguably much further ahead and higher in the pecking order than Memphis is ever going to be, which is again, you know, a bit of a shame. But he's clearly not done anything to impress Mourinho in these opening first few months of the season, and just hasn't done. He hasn't done anything. You know, he his. Essentially, the most interesting parts of his career at the moment seem to be Instagram videos, which kind of tells its own story. Not that I'm trying to have too much of a pop, but he's just not been able to get anywhere near the team or convince Mourinho that he's worthy of a place in any game, not even in the cup games.
1: He's been a he's been a flat track bully, at United, hasn't he? he? He he was exceptional in two games against Bruges uh, in the uh, Champions League qualifying round, and, and Bruges were just absolutely appalling. He had the hope the home game against. FC Midtjylland. That is genuinely the the greatest individual performance I've seen in the flesh since Ronaldo left, mm. which is ridiculous. I mean, he he was absolutely insane that night, but he was insane against a, a poor team, and you can see how he dominated in the dominated the division, playing against that standard of team every week. But as soon as you move up to the Premier League, he just cannot make that step at all. And I think Mourinho, you know, Mourinho will have watched him last season, and have seen enough from him this season to to know that he just doesn't seem at the moment to be able to translate that that form and get the most out of his ability at at this high level Mm. it's a real shame because we had enormous hopes for him and everyone was so delighted that we'd beaten Liverpool and PSG to him so I guess it I guess his his situation shows how quickly players fake and can swing in football.
0: Absolutely, I mean it's deteriorated very, very quickly from two seasons ago when we were helping to leave PSV to the Eredivisie title. So, yeah, for, for his sake, I hope he's able to, you know, leave the club at some stage over the next six months and go on to have a better career elsewhere. Because you know, I've, I've lost all hope of him getting anywhere near the first team for the rest of the season. To be honest, injuries—you know—touch <laughs> wood without any injuries. So yeah, he's hoping that the situation works out for him in a personal level to be seen. Right, let's just start the evening with some Twitter questions and observations, my friend. Uh, Mighty Mike uh, observed that we don't need to overreact. Pogba had a bad game. It happens. We're still on the hunt. City playing shitty. Plenty of games left. Spot on, as far as I'm concerned from Mike there. I don't think there's any real need to overreact. Even I, I hold the right to say this is absolutely ridiculous, but even if we would have lost today, I still don't think we would have been out of the hunt for top four spot whatsoever you know so many games coming up at the minute where the, the top five teams are playing each other so there's plenty of opportunity for us to catch up get some points and go into another really good you know decent run of form and you know we didn't lose today that was excellent and I mean that's us not beaten in any competition since gosh what is it October against Wenebache in the Europa League that's remarkable
1: yeah I mean it's it's, a, it's an incredible run and you know to, to have won the nine games in a row I know, I know a lot of people pointed out that we did have Relatively soft fixtures, but these are games we weren't winning last year. So, you know that we were tripping up against Hull or Sunderland or Middlesbrough or whoever. We, you know, we weren't winning those games. So we've clearly come on a long way since then. And as you say, we've not lost a game for a long time. And after a run of of that many wins you know, a draw isn't the end of the world. I think losing would have been a real problem for us psychologically and in terms of the top four, but we didn't. We got the point and that that, that keeps us in the hunt. And, you know, the, the only way we can assess that game is by seeing what happens next. And if we go to Stoke and win, then I think we can look back and say, well, you know, one of those days. And it clearly was one of those days for, for Pogba and Mkhitaryan and a few other players. It just the The only question which is still open is that, Mourinho doesn't have a great record this season against teams the other teams above us. Mm. And and I think that will that will grate with him. He he will want to improve that record and we've got we've got City City next, but I think he would have wanted really, really wanted to have taken that monkey off his back today.
0: For sure. I mean I think one thing it does do with when it comes to Pogba is that it proves just how integral he has actually been to United so far this season, where if he is having a bad game then it shows up so drastically because he has been so good and our form has been so good subsequently because he has been so good so you know him having a, uh, arguably his worst game in a shirt so far and i said that with a full heart of love for him i think it really showed up today in particular plus you know considering who we're playing it didn't necessarily look good but i back him completely you know i'm sure he'll be absolutely fine just an off day you know people were talking a lot about you know all the stuff surrounding him this week about that you know that that Pogba emoji that you can now get on Twitter, which is, you know, in the in the context of a bad day at the office, that sort of stuff is thrown to sharper relief. And it looks worse, you know, and people can easily use that as a stick to beat him with. But again, all you've got to do is look at his performances over the last few months, see how he's come along since, you know, the first month or so at United. And just say, yeah, he's an absolutely world class player. He had a bad day. And let's point it out. He's 23 years old.
1: I think people forget his age. You know, he is still a developing player. And to be dumb, there are very few players in world football who are able to dominate games like he has at the age of 23. You know, Ronaldo was, Ronaldo was doing it. But if you, you look around, there aren't too many too many players who are the leaders of their team at that age. The stuff about the emoji and whatever else. You know, he is he is super marketed, but I don't think that's affected his performance on the pitch at all. It was just unfortunate timing that... he it gives the critics some ammunition that there are a lot of people that want it, want him to fail. Yeah, I mean,
0: I don't think it makes a difference in terms of his focus levels, you know. He's not necessarily going to get distracted by no. all that sort of rubbish. No. I don't think that was it. I think it's just a stick to beat him with when he has a bad game, which is a bit rubbish for him, but at the same time, you know, I don't think I've seen any instance of, as you mentioned, him being supermarketed actually affects his football performances in any way, because he's not stupid. Anyway, Vikash Patil asks, uh, is sick the true reflection of where we are given the contrast in our results against lesser teams and rival sides?
1: Yeah, I don't think we're far behind those of us. We're actually in better form than, certainly in better form than the City, but we aren't quite there at the top level. We will end up with more points being able to beat the, the also Rans and not the ones at the top, rather than the other way around. But we are still clearly a team in in development, and there are areas of the team that need to be better. And sure. as you, as you said, I think one of the one of the keys Pogba, Pogba wasn't helped by the fact that Carrick had a poor game today as well. And um, they need he needs more help in midfield. And Herrera was actually one of one of our better players today, but he, you know, without those two functioning, the team didn't function. And, and you pointed out which areas of the team needs strengthening in, and I don't think we'll see the complete unit for another seven, eight, nine, 8, 9 maybe yeah, up to 12 months. Yeah, we're, we're a work in progress and we're, and we're getting there but I think again today showed that we've still got a way to go.
0: At Exhard in Texas asks, must be a left back somewhere in the world we can buy. I mean there definitely is but there we go. Tarmian offers zero going forward.
1: Yeah, well that's true. Yeah, as you said, unless Shaw could be rehabilitated in whatever way necessary, I think we, we will need to find a left back.
0: Mars Bailey asks, is Ander Herrera our real big game midfielder? Lots of underlove lately, and I appreciate all of it. What do you think? I mean, other than the fact that he is one of the most magical men in the universe. Yeah.
1: yeah. He, is a wonderful, he is a wonderful human
0: being, yeah. This is true. What excites me most about Herrera is that he is dependable. You know, he doesn't necessarily have absolutely remarkable games, but he is always consistently solid. He always does the hard work, he always puts in a shift. If he loses the ball, you know he's going to track it down and work hard to get it back. He is dependable, he is reliable, and he's solid. And this is, in terms of him seeing him play so much football over this first half of the season, given how rocky his seasons were under Van Gaal, that's excellent to see. You know, I think he is our rock in central midfield, for sure. You know, He is the one that you can rely on to zip around, set the pace of the game to a certain extent, and trap back and close down. And it, it, it's great to see him find a role on this side and absolutely nail it down. I
1: think he's a leader, isn't he?
0: Yeah, sure.
1: You know, he's not going to be bollocking people in the changing room, but on the pitch, you know, he's he's always vocal, he's directing people, he puts in the effort every week. He's committed. If I look around that team, you know, I'd love to see Ander Herrera as captain. I think that'd be absolutely brilliant. I, and I, and I think he's the player in the in the United squad who would most appreciate being given that role. And, you know, he really is. He is the leader in the midfield. And, and, and whoever, whatever changes there are around him, he's always, as you say, he's absolutely consistent in his in his uh, commitment and his performance levels. And he's he's just a very complete midfielder. He's quite, he you know, he's pretty good at everything. And he, you know, he provides a really, really nice balance. And he, as you say, he he does turn up in our big games.
0: Yep. I mean I, I can't necessarily think of a game that he's had that he's been really truly terrible at throughout his entire time at United. You know, he had the but the off game because everyone has an off game. But this season in particular he has been consistently solid, which is exactly what you want from that midfield trio, you know. You, you need him doing his work to allow Carrick to pick out a pass and Pogba to do his normal madness. So that's excellent.
1: He's been released by Mourinho, hasn't he? He was LVG, LVG never trusted him and he was never allowed, he was never given the role where he could use all of his best qualities. I don't know. So, you know, he's really found a place under Mourinho where where he's getting the best out of it.
0: Good stuff. Quick word on Stoke on Saturday. How do you see that going?
1: It's quite a tough one. They're up to ninth. They had a good good win at Sunderland yesterday. I don't think it's an easy game in any sense. I, I, I think if we go there and win, it'll be a very very good result and we can we can say that this week was, was a blip. But I, I think it's the hardest game we've got before City uh, at the end of February.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, let's think. <laughs> last time we went to the Britannia it was a uh, boxing day of last season, and that did not bring back many happy memories, if I recall correctly. So, yeah, here's hoping for a much more pleasant experience this weekend around. I would expect us to win, but not necessarily with any huge degree of comfort. You know, as you mentioned, they're so up tonight, so it's not necessarily going to be an easy game. And... A trip to the Britannia, we would never necessarily made that hugely easy. I can't recall, you know, off the top of my head, any game where we've absolutely had it our own way and just waltzed through. So, yeah, that should be an interesting trip. Right, Rich, thank you very much for your company, as always, my good friend. Guys, thank you very much for listening. Don't forget, as ever, you can get us all on the old Twitter. You can get me at, at youandmanitz, you can get Rich at, at richacan76, and you can get the pod at redvoicesmufc, and the blog at WordPress. Com. Have yourselves an absolutely fantastic week. Cheerio.